Well, first of all, congratulations on your amazing victory, man. I was so happy for you. And I think pretty much the whole community was happy for you. You're just one of those guys that everybody likes, everybody respects. I don't think anyone has ever said a bad word about you. But anyway, it's now been two weeks since you won the biggest tournament in the history of Age of Empires 2. So you probably already had a bit of time to calm down and process all the emotions and everything that happened in the event. So looking back, would you say your performance in Red Bull Legacy was the highest level of Age of Empires 2 you've ever played in your life? Mm, I, I think so. But, I mean, it's hard to tell because it has been different uh, uh, moments and it's like our Empire Wars compared to our end, but I think I was super, super focused. And I something that maybe most of the time I don't get to play like at 100% focus. Mm-hmm. Because there's always some distraction, it doesn't matter what. But I think I, at least on like, I played like super, super focused. I actually didn't even notice, but I mean, notice. I, I knew there was a crowd, right? But mm-hmm. when I was playing, I was like, I didn't, like, I could hear small things sometimes, but I didn't even pay attention to that. So I was kind of on the zone. It's very interesting. So that means that before, whenever you played other tournaments, that was not necessarily the case. Many times you're distracted by small little things when you're playing at home or wherever. Uh, not really, but I can tell that I was super focused because after like three f- games, I, my my I had like my head was like or my brain was already dead, like not dead, but it was like I could see like it was hurting a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes I play like seven games and it's like I'm just not feeling like that, right? Mm-hmm. I guess everything counts. Mm-hmm. Before the tournament started, was it clear to you you were in the best shape of your life? Mm, I mean, I was playing really good. Like mm-hmm. the, I, I guess overall the, during the year I was confident. Mm-hmm. Like even uh, I get some good results. Even in the, the series I lost, I, I felt like I played good. But you know, like they they can they are also the players that they are playing in a super high level. So you cannot always win all the time. But it's true. Like in the, I felt quite comfortable playing there. Mm-hmm. So you don't think the whole thing of playing at a LAN, that didn't make a difference for you? I think that it didn't hurt me. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I was the underdog, hard to say. Like I had no pressure. So mm-hmm. I was like quite relaxed. I think the only moment where I was nervous was the first game in Sierra, when I started to win it. Like at the start, I was not nervous at all. When, when I was like pushing him and I had a good lead, I, I was started to be a bit shaky. Like I mm-hmm. was like, I cannot click the units. And mm-hmm. then uh, Hera ha- will had to pause, and then I did like I did some uh, deep breath to relax, and then everything went much smoother. Yeah, that's really good to know. So that was during the first game with Hera, right? So he had to pause the game because I think he alt tabbed or something. That's what yeah. I remember, uh, right? So I kind of felt like that could make you a little bit more nervous. But what you're saying is that that actually calmed you down a little bit. Is that what? Yeah, I- yeah. Uh, it helped me because I, I was shaky before that. And then I was okay. Let's. I know what I had. Su- such a good advantage that I think just like calm down and you. As long as you don't throw this, you are fine. And then uh, I just like relax way more. Like deep, like deep breath helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. So even before you started the tournament, you kind of had the feeling you were playing the best Age of Empires of your life, and you were going to make a good result there. Well. Like as I say, it's hard to tell that it was the best of two empires, but I was playing super solid. So mm-hmm. I was super confident on me, myself. And um, obviously, like if I had good, uh, like my goal was top four mm-hmm. before the tournament, because I never reached uh, top four in, in Red Bull tournament. I think mm-hmm. my highest was top eight in three or f- three tournaments. So I kind of wanted to be like 
go like one step further. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, there is like Viper, Leary, Hera, Mr. Joe that are the clear favorites. So just getting into top four was my goal. And uh, I was quite happy when I reached semifinals. Yeah, obviously. Um, after beating Leary in the group stage, you know, who's considered by many the most consistent Empire Wars player, did you start thinking, well, maybe I can actually win this whole thing? Uh, I didn't think about that, but because as well, like, I felt like Leary didn't draft really good according to his play style. Like, he's, mm-hmm. like, more, like, crossbow. Like, he he wants to take, uh, to be the one, like, have the initiative. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the civilization he picked against me didn't allow him to go that way, right? So even if he beat him to zero, I didn't feel like he was playing on his... I don't think, like, I'm not saying that he played bad because he still, like, he played mm-hmm. super good. Leary. But it's yep. not his style. I think it's something that he's not that used to. He prefers mm-hmm. to be the one that has the initiative and he will be like more like having the map control and such. And in this case, I was that guy in the both of the games. Mm-hmm. Interesting. When was the first time you thought you have a real shot at winning the whole tournament? I think it was when I won. I was 2-0 leading in the finals. Oh, so only like, in the oh, finals. That's the first time you thought, well, I can actually win this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think in the, when I uh, won Hera, I still I was okay in the finals. I don't have any pressure. I will try my best, but I was like I still felt like Leary was favorite, mm-hmm. and like even if as I said like I did beat him to sit in the group state, that didn't mean anything for me at all. Like in the in terms of okay, I will be favorite against him now. I, like I beat him, I can do it again. I mean I knew that I could beat him, but still I know that he will he will make the same mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you felt like he was the favorite. I felt like he was a favorite. And also after him, uh, like watching him playing in Viles, he was super sharp there. So obviously he was already playing his game and he was, I knew, I knew it was going to be way harder to beat him. Mm-hmm. It's one of the games that surprised me the most, you know, because I was expecting Viles to, you know, put a little bit more pressure on Leary. He was playing so well, right? And then he just completely um, faltered, I don't know, well, in, the, in the games against Leary, right? Well, I mean, it's always easy to say. When you play against Leary, it's always easy that everything from one moment to another goes wrong, right? Um, Tato, after your semifinal against Hera, you sat down with Nacho for an interview, which I'll be linking in the description box down below. It's in Spanish, and you guys speak really fast, but <laughs> since I'm Portuguese and with the help of subtitles, I was able to understand most of it. And I find that interview fascinating because you were talking about the games and you were talking about the decision-making behind those games and why you pick certain saves for, for certain maps and so mm. on. And, you know, hearing you talk about all those things, I was yet again fascinated by how complex and how important the strategic aspect of this game can be, especially at the very high level. So I wonder, do you think that all let's say, top eight players think about strategy as deeply as you do? Or do you think that some of them rely more on their technical abilities, like speed and micro and maybe less on strategy? I think that some players don't don't feel like they need that strategy aspect yet, probably. And there's also other players that they, like me, doubt we have to rely more on the strategy aspect. So I'm pretty sure like something, someone like Winchester as well, he... He likes to think up more about the strategies as well. Mm-hmm. So I will say that uh, you're right there. Like um, I, I probably think way more about the strategies than, for example, Leary. Mm-hmm. And you think that's a mistake that he doesn't think so much about strategy? You think that's something that can really push you forward and really, well, make you win tournaments? Mm, 
I guess it's hard to tell. Like, you know, used to think about that that much. I guess it's harder for him. And, like, he feels he still, like, reached finals or, he, like, he has reached five finals in, in the last six events. So if something works for you, like, you can stick with that. But at the same time, I think thinking about some strategies or watching games also makes you stronger to... Even if you don't use them, you will be better prepared against them. So mm-hmm. I guess, like... It's always good to think about more strategies just to know that just to be prepared and not get surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, despite everything, I think Empire Wars is still a pretty new mode in Age of Empires 2, right? And therefore mm-hmm. less figured out, let's say. Would you say that having a good understanding of strategy is more important in Empire Wars than in Random Map, for example? I think in a random map are more strategies still. But it's, it's still true, more like important. In, yeah, in a, it's true like in Empire Wars. Like all the new maps, they allow you to be as uh, like to explore more options as well, because mm-hmm. they are not like at least on the Red Bull they were not super aggressive except maybe Moras, uh, Kavasan, Arabia, Takama. There were a few maps that were were quite aggressive, but I'm pretty sure that we had more of those in the other ber- like in the early uh, Red Bulls. So now. Like maps like Outprobe, maps like Shoals, they allow you to have more room to improve, like to surprise your opponent as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you think that's something that it's an advantage for you? Was an advantage for you for this tournament? Uh, definitely. I think the map will help me way more this time. Yeah. Interesting. Sure. Inter- because they were less aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so meaning, a map being less aggressive, you think gives more opportunities for other strategies, for special strategies. Or why do you think that, that it favored you? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, if map is aggressive, usually it will be the same units. Like, you cannot surprise because, like, you will be open or, like, there will be always a scout archer because the aggression has to be right away. So it's harder to surprise your opponent because it's, like, the action will become, like, at minute two, basically. Right. Okay. But in maps where you can wall, you can hide a little bit what you want to do. And like you can, like he doesn't know if you are doing army, you are booming. Those maps give more options in terms of a strategy. That's such an interesting point. Uh, would you say you're a better Empire Wars player than random map player then? No, no, no. I don't think no. so. You think no. you're still a better random map player? I think like, I, I mean, it's hard to tell because I just won Empire uh, Red Bull. But uh, at the same time, I think the map pool, as I said, like I think it favored me a lot this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think on random map as well, like I reached finals on Army's Cup, so I feel right. like I'm quite complete player. So and mm-hmm. I will say that the level should be more or less the same. It depends as well on the maps, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, that's interesting. You think that maps play such a huge role? Interesting. You know, Tata, when the first Red Bull tournaments came around, a few folks in the co- in the community were afraid Empire Wars could maybe replace random map as the standard game mode in Age of Empires 2. Now, after six tournaments, is it safe to say that will never be the case and random map will still remain the most popular game mode in the game? Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. Okay. Uh, random map, like the game is balanced around random map, right? Like in Pi Wars, and more if like we have the same, you play the same map, they, there's not that many sieves like there. Are, like they are clearly, I think, more broken sieves in Pi Wars than in random map. That can make okay. a huge, big difference. And um, like it's something that, as I said, like if you play the same map, like in Arabia, in Pi Wars, I will say that you can always stick with the same. It will be always a scout arches. I don't see you will see way more different, 
while on Wami Wana River on the map, you can see Dras, you can see Dras FC, Menatams, uh, Arches, mm -hmm. just Walls FC. So there's way more room to a strategy in random map. And that makes, in my opinion, much better uh, game mode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, right. So in February of this year, there was a very interesting Reddit post about you written by oh. Umdeuter. It's his name. Uh, he actually commented in one of my previous videos. So in case you're watching this, Umdeuter, I really like reading your posts, man. So long story short, Tato, he found out that in the span of 12 months, you lost 14 match point games against top players in S-tier tournaments and you won zero. And the examples he gave were series you played against Viper, Hera, Leary, and Yo. And like I said, in all those series combined, you had a total of 14 match points and you won none of them. He actually gave a funny, a funny title to that post. Uh, Tato became the best player in the world a year ago if it wasn't for the size of Maxis. I'll obviously put a link to the post down below. Now, I assume you read the post, or at least you heard about it, because a lot of people were talking about it. Were you aware of those numbers, or was it also a surprise for you? Uh, I was not aware, but I read the Reddit post. And it was quite interesting to see. <laughs> I didn't expect to be that bad, to be fair. <laughs> you think it's just as a coincidence, or do you think there really is, is something more to it? I mean, do we feel like you do struggle to keep your nerves under control in high-pressure situations? Like, I don't think I felt pr like more pressure when it's like uh, the last match. At least not against, against top players, I would say. So I, I was uh, quite surprised that it was too bad, to be honest. And uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I guess it's coincident because I didn't think, I didn't ever think about that. But mm -hmm. now next time, like if I get to that, uh, I was thinking like, Phew, maybe he's right. No, no, but like I, I broke that twice already this year, so yes. I think I'm safe now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Have you done anything specifically for this tournament uh, to try to combat that pressure? Well, you're saying you didn't really feel a lot of pressure, uh, but to combat that thing that you tend to lose matches when it's a match point game. Have you, have you done anything to fight that? Well, I think the um, we had some uh, like suggestions from uh, our team manager, like uh, helping us to keep the nerves like with like deep breathing. I think it helps a lot. Like just uh, think about something that helped me as well is like to think about what I want to do at least on Empire Wars because it's different around the map. Mm -hmm. But like before the games, I will tell to myself what I want to do the first minute. So mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about that and not thinking about the anything else. And then it's easier if I have to remember like the first minute. I I know what I have to do. I need to remember, and then I like you will be already on the zone when after that minute you already are playing at the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped, at least on Empire Wars, that helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, in last year's GL Bootcamp, you guys had a session with a mental coach. Was he there this year as well? No, no, no. We didn't have this year. But okay. it was last year, yeah. Okay. Do you think something like that could help you? I think it, it doesn't hurt. Like, it, it had something that you can keep, like, a good ideas, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I believe that for most tournaments, and I assume for Red Bull Legacy as well, one of your favorite training partners is Dowd, right? So do you like training with him just because you guys are very good friends? Or is it also because of how Dowd plays the game and how he thinks about the game? I really like, uh, like, we have such a good relationship first. Like, uh, <laughs> I think we understand each other a lot. And also, like, I think he's really good at, at thinking out of the box. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, like the Korean games against Kera, 
that was something that he was on, like he had on mind and we practiced like three or four times and like okay what are the weakness we like to think about that we like to brainstorm together mm-hmm. and um also like a step lanterns with something like okay we need to test them because i felt like they were very strong and that's something i did with him as well like we test, we test step lanterns on the bootcamp and we realized that they were a solid option and more mm-hmm. against meso so that kind of stuff is something I really like to test with doubt because he's mm-hmm. super solid macro player. Even his micro is not the best, but he's still super solid. Like the he knows how to uh, balance the economy to develop the strategies. I think much better than probably me. Mm-hmm. At least the first time. <laughs> In- <laughs> then you kind of surpass him. Interesting. Um, for this tournament specifically, you mentioned several times in winner interviews that Winchester helped you a lot preparing for the tournament as well, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of said that Winchester is also someone who likes to play, you know, out-of-the-box strategies. Uh, most people will know Winchester was actually did actually qualify for the tournament, but unfortunately he wasn't allowed to travel to Germany. So was that the reason you also picked Winchester as a training partner? Because he also likes to think out of the box? Uh, well, like he actually, like after Jordan uh, games, like semifinals, he messaged me. So it was him uh, approaching me. And he told me like, hey, congrats, Tato. I'm really happy for you. We had a really good relations. Mm-hmm. And um, he, told, he offered himself to help me to prepare against Hera because he had some ideas that he couldn't use because he couldn't come. Mm-hmm. I was so sure, like, uh, I will take any help. And then um, he gave me really good ideas on, on we practice more or less all the maps that I play in the semifinals. I think we practice the, the bull probably the most. Mm-hmm. Like, he watched all the games from Hera in the bull, and he told me, like, some mistake he was making. And we prepare a lot on the bull. Like, he gave me good ideas. And then, um, like, I remember that we played, like, maybe six, seven games where he was Turks, and I was trying to counter, mm-hmm. and I think I only beat him twice. So I didn't feel quite comfortable playing against Turks. That's why I picked them as well. So mm-hmm. I, I had them instead of Hera. And, uh, like, also, like, there was a wall that Hera did, wasn't doing. Like, it was on the ear, on the bull. Yeah, like, on the... But was at the very like, top of the map, was that hole that was open the whole time? Is that what you're talking about? No, like, Winchester uh, had the idea to wall... The south part. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they couldn't go from that part to the fish. And I was really smart. And that's, like, that's one of the samples that Winchester gave me. But they were more, more of them. Mm-hmm. So that means the first time you actually started training with him was after, uh, was before the semifinal with Hera. Right yeah, before was, the semifinal. Yeah. Uh, like he messaged me the Sunday, I think Sunday, yeah, Sunday, quarterfinals was on Sunday. So he brought me at, the ni- at night. And then we were talking like Monday, Tuesday. We didn't practice at all because I wanted two days break and also Leary. Uh, so our first training session was on Wednesday mm-hmm. where I practiced with Winchester and then I practiced with Leary. That's so interesting. Okay. Uh, Tato, you have one older brother and a younger sister, right? Who both yes. played Age of Empires 2. Um, right. I remember your older brother was the one who introduced you to the game for the first time, right? And I mm-hmm. remember your sister actually used to be pretty active in the community and streamed very often in your channel uh, a few years ago. I think yeah. Laka, Laka was her nickname, yeah, Laka, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did your family follow your games live in Red Bull Legacy? Uh, they follow the semifinals and finals. No, no. Okay. I told uh, because my sister usually, uh, even like she she played, she's not that much. He doesn't have that much time, so he doesn't watch it unless it's like a big tournament. 
mm-hmm. and um, she actually wanted to come to Hildebert mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. first weekend, but like I already had the, uh, my friend as plus one, so I, I couldn't accomplish that. But she was watching with his, like with my family, all my family, even that they don't know English, they were watching the, the finals. Your parents too? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Do they understand a little bit of the game? What's going on? No. They, they <laughs> okay. will just see the, the... Whenever the game finishes, they will see if I have one or zero, and then they will see. Okay, so I they had... I, I think my brother was with them, so he was explaining a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea if you were about to win or about to lose. They only know, okay, you won, you lost. Well, like, as I said, I think at least with my parents, my brother was with, with them. So he was um, he was explaining a little bit. So he, he knows he doesn't know that much anymore because I think last time he played was two thousand four or five. Wow! But still, he he understand the basics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he probably see a step and he doesn't know what it is. What it is. <laughs> right, right, right. A uh, two thousand and four. That was such a long time ago. The game was so different back then. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, Tato, you're a professional Age of Empires two player and a streamer. That's your job, right? Mm-hmm. If you meet someone for the first time and you tell them that, this is my job, what's the kind of reaction you usually get from people? I, I'm very curious about this. Do you feel like people take it as something completely normal? Or do you think people will still be skeptical towards this whole thing of, you know, yeah, programmer, pro gamer? Uh, at the start, like people were, what, what is that? And it was hard to explain now. But I think it works the easiest for me. It's like, I ask them if they know Ibai. I guess you know Ibai. Ibai Janos. Well, mm-hmm. you don't know he like he's super huge. He everyone in Spain knows him. Like he's uh, he was a, a Spanish League of Legends caster, but now he's like the biggest uh, Twitch streamer in the Spanish community, or or the second. Mm-hmm. So whenever yeah. someone um, he's really known, basically, and he also like uh, he's uh, in contact with football. He casts some football as well, so he's really known. And I just basically say that I'm like Ibai, but in a way smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And they oh, okay, okay. Now, at least they understand that way. Is it someone like Ninja that goes to talk shows and shows up uh, on TV and stuff like that? Mm, he does everything on his Twitch, basically. But he's mm-hmm. probably, I think, in Spain, he's probably more known than Ninja. In uh, Amazing. Like, everyone knows him. Okay, and what kind of what kind of games does he play again? Uh, he doesn't play. He just cast. He cast. He used to be like uh, well, he cast League of Legends, and now League he he owns a team with Gerard Piquet, the full, the Barcelona football player. Mm, they both together they own a, a team as well. That is Koi. The name mm-hmm. is Koi, and they're already that. He has uh, organized like the boxing uh, streamers as well, like three times already, and also he does like. Uh, I don't know what is the English word for that. Give me a second. I will translate mm-hmm. fast. But he does like a, um, a world championship of, of balloons in Twitch. And he was super known as well. Uh-huh. Interesting. Balloon foods, yeah. Okay, so you compare yourself to them and then they know the kind of thing that you do for a living. That's yeah, so like I just say like on way a smaller scale. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I that's think that's right. the easiest way. So the people understand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If they don't know Ibai, I don't even try to explain myself because they don't know Ibai, it's like, okay. Yeah. Is there a difference between if you're explaining this to someone who's a little bit older and if you're explaining this to someone who's much younger and has a lot more contact with YouTube and Twitch? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say like uh, all the youngers now, as I said, like I think every younger knows 
are more known uh, on Twitch. They are more familiar with that. And also, like, they probably know if I <laughs> were more that, uh, like, 40 years old guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. All right, Tato, I, I want to go back in time now and talk a little bit about the earlier stages of your career. Okay. I think the first time I remember seeing your name was around the time the HD version was released. So this is late 2013, 2014. Now, for the folks that weren't around back then, the HD version was the official Microsoft-supported version of the game, but still virtually all professional players were playing on Vubli. All but one. Mr. Tato here was pretty much the only pro player who, for the most part, played on HD, right? And that means you had absolutely no competition whatsoever in the HD ladder. I believe at some point there was like a 400 or 500 ELO difference between you and the number two on the ladder. Do you remember Uh, that? I think it was something like that, but there were some cheaters as well. So I don't remember exactly the the difference. But I was just playing for fun back then. I think it was... Like the HD was released in 2013, but I didn't start playing more serious until 2015 or something. Mm-hmm. Like I played some games, but I was still studying, uh, so I was I didn't have that much time. And uh, mainly I was just uh, playing like so. Like the friends that are still playing, so then they were oh let's play again. I was okay, let's join, and I was just playing for fun as well. So is it why you? You like to play HD more because it's easier to get to, it's easier to install, and you know, Vubli needed a lot of installations, a lot of patches and stuff like that. So it was just harder to get your friends to play it with you? Um, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think is the reason was because on Vubli it was harder to get find a game. And I felt like uh, I wanted to play with the new shifts as well because mm-hmm. they were releasing uh, expansions back then. And I, I had, like, it was something refreshing. Even Dowd was joining sometimes in my team games. He will, Dowd, he will interesting. Not, he will not say a word. <laughs> That's he will only typical. say GG at, at the end. Like I was going, hey, Dowd, how are you? No, not a single word. But he was still joining sometimes my team games to play with, with, with the team. It was, it was quite fun. It's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, when people see Doubt today, they cannot imagine the kind of reputation he had before. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he would not answer to anybody, not even Viper at some point, not even you uh, as well. Uh, yeah, it's one of the biggest surprises to be when Doubt started streaming and he was so entertaining. He talked so much, which such, uh, I, my mind was blown. Um, you know, Tato, this is all such a long time ago. It's hard for me to remember it all. But I believe that in 2013 and 2014, the Arabia Huns War Fever was still very much alive on Vubli. And I heard you say in an interview you absolutely hated Hun Wars. <laughs> was that also a reason that kept you away from Vubli? Uh, well, I, it was like quite boring because it was the same thing all over and over and over. So I felt like it was quite repetitive for me. And I didn't want to play that much. I, I always love more like hybrid maps. Mm-hmm. I love when, uh, like, I remember I when I started to play, I love to play full random, mega random. I, that mm-hmm. was actually the map I played the most in, on HD. I think it was mega random all the time mm-hmm. because it had some like something that you have to adapt as well. It was like you had to, like, you could start with a monastery or you could start with a monk or like two, one barrack or spearman instead of a scout. So that made something unique, and it was something like way different that playing uh, a scout into cavarches and walls all the time, mm-hmm. and just <laughs> whoever had more cavarches would win. It was it was not really fun to play. Like I still uh, uh, enjoy to play those games, but not like ten games in a day. 
Not all the time. Yeah, it's. I, I totally remember when you, if you were hosting a one v one game on Vubly, if someone picked a sieve, they would get kicked right away. It needs <laughs> to be Hans. It has to be Hans. If you pick something else, you're going to be kicked from the from the game. <laughs> How yeah, things have changed completely. Yeah, uh, Tato. I believe you were one of the first pro players to make YouTube tutorials. Or those your tutorials are the first that I remember, at least, like build order tutorials. Uh, I remember that the one time I finally understood how to make a drush fast castle was after I watched your tutorial. <laughs> you obviously remember this, but back then in team games as a flank, you would always go for drush fast castle on Arabia, mm -hmm. at least always. Yeah. Um, have you thought about adding some new updated tutorials for the new sieves or the new openings that have emerged since the E came out? Um, the, the ones you are talking were well in English, and actually, I, I don't understand how people could understand me back then. Well, because I if could. It's, <laughs> it was like, oof, I, I cannot watch them now. It's like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> those were like. But at least I had like the um, I had the guide, so it was like just you could follow that even if you didn't understand. Now, you so know yeah, what it. I loved about in yeah yeah that's the thing that's what I loved about them. They were totally simple and. So you, you told people, so you send one villager here, you send one villager there, and then you explained why you're supposed to do that, because you want to have more farms here, because you want to have more farms at minute, I don't know what. So you explained why people are supposed to do that. And that's what made me really understand, you know, the thought process behind going Drush Fast Castle. Nobody does that anymore, right? It's such a... Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I remember if you had a 1v1 game in the old days, if it was a 1v1 hidden pick, everybody would go for Aztec's War. It's going to be Aztec's War for sure on tournament, I'm speaking about tournaments right now, and it's going to be a five a militia drush FC all the time. Uh, yeah, and people had amazing timings when you think about it. I, I remember people hitting like 1645 Castle Age, which, you know, it, back in the Vubli times with the lag and everything, that's pretty amazing, I think, right? Yeah, and more after five militias, it was like, woo. When someone was below 17 minutes with five drush militia, it was, it was really insane. Like people will, I need to copy this. Yeah, and it was because as well you were you were fully walled, like you invest into walls as well. It was quite amazing, and every time I did, like as you say, like uh, when I'm uh, trying to teach build orders or doing tutorials, I love to explain why I'm doing that mm -hmm. because I feel like everyone can copy something, but if they don't understand why it's that way instead of the other way, mm -hmm. they will always make the same mistake. So I prefer. I mean, I, I used to teach a lot of math and such. So I pre always prefer to make people understand the reason behind that, that explain, like teaching them what is the answer, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, makes so much sense. I think it's easier to understand why as well when you do that. Okay, Tato, in late 2018, you were invited to join the legendary Tyrant clan. And that was obviously very big news in the community. You know, back then, whenever the Tyrants hired a new player, Everybody was talking about it. And yeah. broadly speaking, the Tyrant clan was basically the gamer legion of today, right? So that was the team with Dow, Viper, Slam, Jordan. Now, unfortunately for you, those were already sort of the dying days of the Tyrant clan. So I don't think you ever made it to Dubai to meet the sponsor, right? No, I didn't. Yeah, that's so sad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but so what I wonder is, did that move have a big impact on you? I mean, did you start talking, taking the game more seriously because of it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it changed completely. Like, um, I until then, I think I was more like one v one player. I mm -hmm. love to play one v one more than team games. 
because I, I didn't fight I didn't feel like I was like a good team player team game player but after starting to play with the best obviously like Viper Doubt Jordan uh, those were like in my team actually. I think I've started to improve more and more and like playing against the best made me better player also like mm-hmm. I felt like as I said, when I started to play in 2001, when I was super young, like well, my older brother, I didn't know how to do it, but my older brother was watching Doubt games, right? Mm-hmm. So like Doubt was like the the legend back then, and still, in my opinion, he is. Mm-hmm. And like being part of the team with him, it was like such an honor as well. Mm-hmm. And now like we are such a good friends, and I actually like love our relation like among all the GL members. Uh, also, like I was already. Like having my Twitch going on, it was getting bigger right. and bigger. That's when I started to do more Spanish content as well. Mm-hmm. So everything together, like I, uh, like it was like a perfect uh, combination to test if I could be full time as well. So that was probably after joining Thailand, I decided to go more, like to give it a try to be like full time. And I think uh, since then I'm still. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay, so in 2018, when you joined the Tyrant Clan, uh, what else was going on in your life? Uh, I know you went to college to study math, I believe, and you talked about it right now. So was college your main focus back then? Uh, I was, I had finished programming and I was still studying math and I was switching from the um, uh, university. I was changing universities because the one I was going, it was like one and a half hours from home. So it was quite annoying to go every day there. I'm going back, so I prefer. I wanted to do it online, mm-hmm. and then I I was on the process to change universities when I started to do this more serious, and I tried one semester to do both, and it was quite hard. Okay, but that's this was, um, and I I told myself, okay, this is gonna be a try. I can continue later if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, I decided to like take a break from the studies and try to uh, give everything I had there for for the Chef Empires to see how it goes. Because it was going to be just one opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think so far it paid off. So Absolutely. I'm happy with the decision. But I still like I, I still have on uh, on my mind to finish my, my studies on math for sure. Right. So you didn't finish your math studies and you were talking about programming. So you did that before you went to college? Yeah, yeah, I did programming and then I I went to college, to university. Right, so is that a, a college degree as well, programming, or what exactly did you do? Uh, I, I don't know how, how to explain it in English, but when you finish the high school, I think it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can choose to go to university and you can do like two years um, specific studies. Interesting. So I did like two years specific on programming, mm-hmm. and then after those two years, I could still like, or start working on programming or... Uh, continuing the studying math and, and you didn't uh, enjoy it i did enjoy it but i prefer like i love maths so i wanted to go deeper on math and then uh, have both as an option interesting um you didn't finish your degree you just said your math degree yeah was it because you decided to go full-time as a streamer like that's yeah, yeah like i said like uh, i tried one semester when i when i changed university online i tried to have like one semester I had I want try to do both at the same time and it was quite I didn't feel comfortable I felt like I didn't have time for anything else mm-hmm. so I decided to take a break from the studies and I will say okay I will finish them later if it if this doesn't work or if it works like still I, I can finish them later and um, just because I felt like this was going to be 
one time opportunity for the seven pirates and it, that was going to be that this one i could mm-hmm. not try lo- earlier i mean later i didn't know how it will have gone was there a moment when you actually made a decision so now i'm going to go full time as a full time as a streamer uh i think it was summer 2018 before i went before i started the next semester of university okay okay So you just talked about it and you said that early on in your career you played mostly 1v1s uh but then after playing a few team game tournaments such as the Nations Cup and the War is Coming you said you started enjoying team games more and more right mm-hmm. so what about today do you prefer 1v1s or team games more uh, I still prefer team games not what now interesting I, i'm not sure if it's because i'm getting older but it's like <laughs> I, i don't like to play 1v1s like on a ladder for example i Last time I played 1v1 on ladder, I think it was like seven months ago or something. Wow. I okay. love to prepare for tournaments. Like 1v1 mm-hmm. tournaments, I, I really like to to prepare, like think about the uh, possibilities, the strategies. But I don't like to play 1v1 on the ladder. I think it's just meaningless. I would prefer like to play with my friends, team games, less chilling and like enjoying them. But no, not the 1v1s. That's so interesting. Uh you know in the past we obviously didn't have nearly as many tournaments as we have today, but I would say there was a good balance between team game tournaments and 1v1 tournaments. These days mm-hmm. though, most S tier tournaments are 1v1 tournaments. I think uh Battle of Africa is the only major team game tournament, right? Why is that? Uh I think because people doesn't like team games that much, I believe. I think because the the viewership And also because I believe like price pool is way harder to like let's say 30k 1v1 tournament is much bigger than a 30k thing in tournament because right. you Everyone have to split. Gets more money. Yeah, like you have to split. So I guess that also that attracts more more people. But I, I like I really enjoy uh team game tournaments. I actually was quite sad that they removed Sling because I felt like Sling was After like not the first because when it was not nerfed, it was super broken in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that was not that fun. But now that is, I think it's quite balanced. Somehow, I feel like it opened a lot of windows. Like we had such a good games on ECL, like with Suomi as well, like triple Slim that was insane to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's something that if you don't allow Slim, is something that you probably won't see anymore. So and the big difference now in the E is that the taxes are higher, right? So even before or and after you make coinage and uh there's still higher taxes than it was before. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you're one of the first guys that I hear say that that slinging is still balanced uh, in the E. Interesting. More uh, balance. More sure balance. Completely balance, but uh, like it's hard to balance, right, right? But I feel like uh, at least on the E, it was it, it was decent. Like it It had a counter, uh, I will say. Like you could counter a sling on, on the ability. Mm-hmm. The thing is, these days, we also don't see pro players playing as many team games on the ladder. I'm not even talking about tournaments. Why is that? Why don't people even try to play a few games on the ladder just for fun? I don't know. I do I do play them. I usually mm-hmm. tell, like, let's play team game ladder. I think we get, like, a high elo rating. There will be more teams, like, okay, let's go to high, and then we can play there. But They they refuse. I guess it's harder to schedule as well because everyone has his own like time zone basically. Like uh, even if we are in Europe, like Jordan for example, he streams in the mornings. Mm-hmm. That's a, like I'm talking about GL, but I think it can be applied for everyone. Like it's harder to like to play things. You need the whole team, right? And it's harder to get all together probably. So that, I, I guess that makes it even harder. 
Mm -hmm. A couple of people have blamed the matchmaking system for the lack of high-level team games. Would you agree? Mm, I don't think so. At least I don't think it affects the high-level team games, in my opinion. Okay. Because if you like, if you play for that, you will eventually get a high elo team game, right? Mm -hmm. Then and then you will play against high elo team game players. So I don't think the matchmaking hurts the high elo um, part. I would say that perhaps it hurts the low elo maybe because mm -hmm. there can be a lot of smurf and it's not right the best. But I will say that for high elo, I, I just feel like people doesn't have the time to get his elo high. Okay, okay. Um, okay, Tato, I want to talk to you about Warlords. That's another S-tier tournament going on right now, organized by MEM with a $30,000 prize pool. And you know, one of the special things about this tournament is that it tries to speed up the first few minutes of the game, right? By having players start with nine villagers instead of three. So the first thing I would like to know is, do you think you actually need, we actually need to speed things up? I guess, for a better viewer experience? Or are you actually totally fine with the standard three villagers start? As a player, I'm totally fine with the three villagers. Mm -hmm. I think as a viewer, they don't enjoy that much. At least new, villi uh, new villagers. New, new viewers. Mm -hmm. New viewers. They, they will not understand why it's like why everything is going slow at the start. And for us, it's super important because it's what is going to be develop the next, like your strategy and set. But I understand that uh, as, a, as a viewer, people don't enjoy those minutes. Like, let's say, for example, in Arabia, maybe a little bit, but let's say Arena. Arena is like the first minute is like, what is going on? There's nothing happening, right? So I I actually don't mind this opening. Mm -hmm. I think it's still, um, it could be closer to the three opening, uh, three villages opening. Like right now, I think this is not, uh, the wireless opening is a bit trickier because you have the same amount of food, but you have more villagers. So it makes it open for more strategies as well. Like you can see like super early uh, draws, like even before the Lamer Cup. But uh, I think this is not balanced for like SRM. Mm -hmm. So you think it's just a question of more time that people will get to figure out what kinds of things still need to be balanced? Or do you think a nine villager start cannot ever be balanced? I think it can be balanced. And okay. I will mention the waters. There was a the waters leaked and they had the same, like I'm not sure it was nine or 10 villagers, but they balanced the, they, I'm not sure how they did it, but they kind of count. How would you, the, the more resources that a normal sea will have by that minute. And they, you will have more, like you will start with 50 foot. And you will have two boards and then six ships instead of eight. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that much food left. Like it's like they just, let's say that you start playing at minus three, but you will have that setup. You won't have normal setup, let's say. Mm -hmm. I see. So do you feel like it changes the game too much, having nine villagers at the start? No, no, no. I don't think it okay. changes that. So it does, I think it shouldn't be too bad, actually. If it becomes a standard, it's just like it has to be balanced a little bit more in terms of initial resources. Okay, okay. Uh, so you had a very strong start to the tournament. You won your first game against Miguel. And, you know, after a big victory in Red Bull, it seems clear to me everybody will now see you as one of the strongest contenders to win this tournament. 
does that put more pressure on you because, you know, people now expect you to perform really well? Or does it actually help you because, you know, your opponents will now have, you know, more respect for you? Not like they didn't have any respect for you before, obviously, but it's always different when you've just won a $200,000 massive tournament. Well, I believe that all the players have the respect for, like, in terms of we know each other for a long time, so we know what we can expect. And also, like, this is a random map and we just finished Empire Wars map. So it really doesn't mean that much. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't feel pressure. And okay. as I said, like, I believe that this tournament practice will be super important because it's a new mode, basically. And there's a lot of room to improve uh, or prepare something, surprise. Okay. And um, like the meta will take some, at least some series to be like, to um, discover the meta, I would say. So it's it's gonna be interesting. I've honestly I don't see anyone as favorite on this tournament. I okay. think it's open to everyone. Okay, just because the strategies are still not figured out and people don't really know what's best. Yeah, and also because you, you need to prepare. So I guess if um, like let's say let's put Viper. I know he will practice, but just an example. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't practice, I think he can easily die to any one of the players. Okay, that's so interesting. So is it in a way similar to Empire Wars or would you say Empire Wars is still a lot different than this nine villagers start? Uh, well, it's, it's very different. Mm -hmm. As I like here, you can still do like Dark Age uh, shenanigans. So uh, I will say that this has more strategy than, than probably. And also the maps is like, there's way too many different maps that mm -hmm. makes it a bit more tricky uh, in terms of preparation as well. That's something that you like though, right? Because you like to play a lot of different maps and you're someone who's well known for being very good at adapting. So is it something that you like, you know, to have this, uh, there's a lot of options in terms of maps? At the start, I didn't like that much because there okay. are some maps that I really didn't want to play. For example? <laughs> Black Forest, I don't want to okay. play that. But at the same time, uh, you can work around that as well. And mm -hmm. if it feels like a nine billion start, they are not as bad as I thought as well. Okay. Like let's say Socotra. I was expecting Socotra to be a, like a lame fest, but now with nine billion start, you don't have time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's probably my only concern about this star, like this nine, uh, the nine billion star. I have like a mixed feeling about the scouting part because it feels like you don't have time to scout your enemy. But at the same time, it punishes the greedy players. Like okay. if well, like if a player wants to let's say push there, and you see that his score is not up, and you got rust, you can uh, get him like uh, unprepared, right? And okay. you can surprise him. So that's something I like. But at the same time, you can maybe be a bit unlucky and don't have time to scout your opponent. Okay. Okay. So maybe like having a bit of um, bigger line of sight at the start, like. I know, so like three or four more radio styles around mm -hmm. your TC, so you can see more stuff and you don't have to scout that much. Mm -hmm. Like just boosting a little bit your exploration, I think it could be something interesting. I'm not saying that it should be uh, the best, but I think something to consider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Tato, I would like to talk to you, or I would like to hear you talk about Age of Empires 4. I saw you were trying the new sieves just uh, just the other day, and again, I hear the community is really happy with the state of the game right now. Will it actually try to be more competitive in Age of Empires 4 in the near future? 
Uh, I'm not planning to be super competitive. I mean, I'm still decent at the game, but I will probably uh, try to play at least two, three times a week. Like just mm-hmm. chill games, team games, just to get a feeling of the game, not to be like super rusty. Because I remember when uh, when it came out, like a, and I played Genesis after I, that tournament, I stopped playing because KOD was coming. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't play a single game until April or March when Gold Elite happened. And then it was so hard to get, like, to be in the meta and, like, because the build orders, something that is really hard about Chess Empires 4 compared to Chess Empires 2 mm-hmm. is that the build orders for every team are different. So, right. And they are involved, like, they, they change. Okay. On the patch, because here, okay, you can, um, if you know one build order for scouts, you can, you can make it work for every scene, basically. Maybe like Gujaras mm-hmm. or Chinese can be a bit different, but right. in general, it works for every scene. But uh, it's not the same uh, for Eternal Empires 4, right? That's something I like about the the game, like you, the build orders are different, but at the same time, you need to play a lot to uh, and like not forget about them. To keep track of what's changing as well. Yeah, so what's your general assessment of the game? You like playing it? What do you think it still needs to do better? Mm, honestly, I feel like now it's in a really good state. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy when it was like poor Siege meta. And I think still like walls. I haven't played that much competitive, but I think walls are a big issue in the game. I what feel about? like uh, stone walls are way too strong. I'm not sure if it's because it's harder, to, you cannot take it unless it's with Sheets. So it's not like a Chopin Parstow, you can take with Steel. Maybe they need a unit that can, could break like Peters or something, like make mm-hmm. like huge walls. Mm-hmm. That can probably work as well. Because also, I think they are built super fast. Okay. So I will say that, in my opinion, walls is the biggest problem for a Chopin for right now. But it's, in general, I think the game is in the best. A state that it has never been. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, walls is something that we in the Age of Empires 2 community have thought about and thought about how to fix them for a long time as well. All right, Tato, thank you so much for your time, man. It was really nice to know more about you and I wish you tons of success for Warlords and the future. And uh, we'll see each other soon, I hope. Thanks for the invitation. It has been a pleasure. Thank you have so much, Tato.